Hi, happy Tuesday. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stefan Tager. Welcome to Revival. This is our podcast about revival. <laughs> That'll get you listening. We really just what think, do I subscribe? Yeah, <laughs> living a life of faith is meaningful and purposeful and uh, exhilarating. Uh, there's a lot of things to work out and think about. You know, like living a life, what it looks like to live a life of faith and family and work and, and all the different places. And and we take talks from General Conference to uh, inspire us and find the promises in there and just I, I guess uh, encouragements in there and things to live out. Like, what can I live out to become, to live that life of faith and enjoy the kind of life that Jesus promised, right? Yeah. So that's what we do every week. So happy you're here. Um, Let's jump in. Today is Elder Gong's talk. It's called Ministering. Were you, were you at that, this is random. Were you at that meeting where Elder Gong started eating bread at the pulpit, at the tabernacle? It was a seminary meeting. What? He was teaching about the bread of life, and he literally started just eating bread at the pulpit. I mean, nope. You're not supposed to have a favorite, but that won you over. <laughs> just like that, that was so easy. That was an easy win. Don't do that in sacrament meeting. If you're if you're not an apostle, you don't have, you can't do that. That would be so why can't people do it? <laughs> well, you might lose friends. Okay, that's why. That's like why. you have permission, but you might lose friends. Is what you're trying to say? Um, that what I'm. What kind of bread? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was good. You know, I hope I'm not making that up. I'm pretty sure that that's true. Well, if you are and you dreamt it, it's just <laughs> intriguing to know that you have dreams of that you happening. Know, okay, church leadership eating bread. The name of his talk is ministering. Yeah, and it was awesome. It was a great talk. I I want to say this about the word ministering. I. Okay, <laughs> I might dig myself into a hole, so I promise I will come back to that. There's but, a lot of backstory, a yeah, lot of pain. Little, yeah, yeah there's lay a down bit. on the couch, Dave. Talk with the therapist. We have to get all this out. Okay, <laughs> okay. This is what I was most concerned by. Remember when we renamed home teaching and visit, and by we I mean someone else, home teaching and visiting teaching to ministering. Like there is a vibe about the word home teaching and visiting teaching that's a the ha, you know that kind of has a it just has a vibe that's like not, I don't know. It feels programmy sometimes. It feels like, oh, you know, had like that kind of thing to it. And and I actually love that word minister. Like it is one of my favorite words. Like like to say Jesus ministered, angels minister. Yeah. It just is like that is, that word is such a tender word to me. I loved it. <laughs> and so when it was being renamed, I just remember almost like there was a lead up President Nelson talking about it. And I legit said <laughs> to myself, please don't say ministering. Please don't say ministering. Please don't say ministering. And then he was like, ministering. <laughs> oh no. I just didn't want the word to become like the name of a, of a program. Right. Or something like that, you know? And so I was, I wanted to protect that word for what it really is, which I think is what was actually happening where it was like, okay, this has become so programmy. And to make it better. I, we have to rename it because you've lost like the whole essence of what it is meant to be. So let's name it what it actually is. And, you know, and then kind of go from there, which we can talk about. But last week we kind of brought this up and 
let's start off by this and just saying that whole idea of why can't why can't I just why do I have to care about other people? <laughs> you know? Why can't I just escape? Why can't I just go somewhere else? Why can't I just you know what what why? Why are I believe everything that God did when he was Jesus did on the earth and everything that he invites us to do leads to living a fulfilling type of life. It's that's what I believe about his words. Um and he and he's the one who calls us to care for and love other people. But let's, I don't know, let's just get into that for a second. Yeah. Like, how come? Yeah, it's its its so interesting. I mean, just take Elder Gong's talk. It starts off with all these stories about ministering, about people going outside of themselves to go bless and help and heal other people. And it's such an important question. Like, why would I even do that? Why would I make that a part of my schedule? Right. Because there's awkwardness with it. Yeah. And there's like, and it's hard and it's right. difficult. And, and I have a lot of other stuff going on and blah, blah, blah. Right. I got to worry about myself and my family and, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and, and of course, we minister to our family. But you just take the leaders of the church, like Elder Gong, for example. I, I think he's a, I think he went to Oxford. And he's at the time of life where he could be playing golf and just hanging out with grandbabies and traveling, right? And just having kind of a calm, relaxing life. Instead, he's accepted the call to literally spend his whole life ministering to people all over the world. And like, that's what his stories are actually about at the beginning. Right, now that right. you're saying that, it's yeah. like, he's like, we met so-and-so, we went out of our way to do this. Right. And you, you know, and you're is just that, like, is that really going to work? Is that, is that a better life than and sitting? some of them were during COVID where you, I met people on zoom and I was like, <laughs> bro, that is chaired. That is religion undefiled. <laughs> you actually went out of your way to meet people on zoom. I was so tired of it. I hated it because I don't want to see another person on Zoom ever for all my days. And the fact that he, I was like, wow, right, right. he reached out through Zoom. Yeah. He couldn't reach out in person. <laughs> like I took that as an excuse to be like, well, can't, I canceled appointments. <laughs> like I used the COVID card <laughs> like, all the time for excuses of why I could not meet up with people, you know, I'm a people person. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Your ability just to go, Dave, and just like you know, it's like squirrel. <laughs> you find something. Um, that was all. That was all about what we were talking about. <laughs> okay, so why? But why? Why should we? And uh, can we get weird and technical, a little nerdy for here for a second? Always. Okay. <laughs> Always have to ask permission. Um, there's one Jewish philosopher. His name is Emmanuel Levinas. He's a really brilliant and influential philosopher of the 20th century. Um, faithful Jewish man who actually went through the Holocaust, was a survivor of the Holocaust. Mm. And he says at the heart of what it means to be human, at the heart of it, like foundational, is to exist with others. Mm. And what it means to be human is to see the face and uh, be in the presence of another's who has human, who have thoughts and feelings and desires and to see an other that they count just as much as I count. Hmm. I'm also drawing on some other think thinkers as well, but essentially there's a lot of brilliant people who say in very technical terms, this really simple truth that humans are kind of designed to love. Yeah. That's what we are. We're, we don't really flourish very well when we're selfish. A fantastic way to ruin your life is just to try to make yourself happy. Right. Yeah. And so the way we can, Interestingly enough, ministering is often accused of being sort of like, oh, it's programmy and it's fake. It's literally designed to make us more authentic. 
Mm. It's literally designed uh, to stretch us and help us to be more loving and aware uh, of the humanity of other people. Yeah. And maybe somebody actually has to be invited into that and reminded of that. There for sure is a temptation to withdraw. Mm. I think that's maybe part of our makeup to just say, oh, I, you know, to avoid uncomfortable, to avoid awkward, to just, right. you know, to not engage because engaging is risky, right? It's like, it. I feel like business transactions are really similar to like, you know, relationship transactions where it's just like, well, listen, I can eat the bigger, the more I risk in business, the greater the reward could be. And I think that's the same with people right. also. And he actually talks about somewhere in here, I don't, um, I don't know about this idea of offering invitations to people. Is that true? Is it in this talk or another one? I've read so much. Yes, he does. So, so yeah. many talks. <laughs> I just don't know which ones and where. Yeah, he, but just talking about as a as a minister, one of the things you can do is invite people to, you know, live in a different right, way right. or whatever. But I think in its essence, the idea of ministering is an invitation to me. It's just, it's it's God's invitation right. to me. Go take care of other people. Yeah. Right. And and part of taking care of people is sometimes direct invitations. But a, a lot of the world will tell you, oh, the way that you get someone to change is to directly invite them to, to, to be different. And of course, on some level, that has to happen. But the way that Jesus actually influenced change was a ministry model. You first come into someone's world. I mean, think about what Ammon did. Like he first, he goes into the land of where the Lamanites, and he says, I just want to serve you. And then the text is very clear. It says, I want to show forth my power that I may win their hearts first, second, that I may teach them. And so a Christian knows I've got to, I've got to set a good example and in, in my love of God. And then also I have to love these people in their full humanity. And then I can start being more direct with them, right? Yeah. And often we forget either parts of that formula. This is what Elder Gong says. He says, in some places in the church, we have a ministering gap. More say they are ministering than they say they are being ministered to. We do not want checklist concern, but often we need more than a sincere hello in the hall or a casual, can I help you in the parking lot? Now, I, I mean, I, I don't think this is naive. I want to say hopefully, maybe, perhaps it's just childlike faith, but I, I, just, I just really believe that God works through ministering assignments where we can really create miracles in people's lives, that we can really get to know families, serve them, help them. And as we go through that process, like God's hand is extended into the world and really blesses people. And let's just, I want to just kind of address this because it's something that I feel and it kind of like, oh, it's a hurdle to me a little bit that there is in my spirit, this idea that if I've been assigned to take care of somebody that like... I almost don't want to do it because it feels insincere because of the assignment. And I and I don't think it's so much about me, you know, but I actually like this. Let me see if I get these words out right. I don't want them to think I'm being insincere because it was an assignment. Right. Like I can work through personally the idea that, okay, I was assigned this and I can actually, yeah, because he says in here, um, 
He says, those who understand the true spirit of ministry and do more than before. And I was like, oh, that's actually interesting. You would have to take time to settle into what's the true spirit of ministering, right? And so something that helps me is to think, kind of to play out in my mind and say, all right, imagine that I just kind of was starting up a church or something. And I said, hey, one of our pillars, one of our values as a church is going to be to take care of people. Um, how do we do that in a way to make sure that nobody gets forgotten? Like we would make assignments out, right? And if I like zoom back, it was like, oh, okay. Assignments don't, they're not a synonym to like insincerity. Right, right. Right. Uh, and you were saying earlier when we were talking about this, about like even a, a mission assignment. Like right, right. it was like. Yeah, if I get assigned to go to a certain country, like Argentina or wherever, that doesn't mean I'm like incapable of loving those people because my capacity to love someone is completely dependent on my ability just to be alive to their humanity, to see what they need and what would be helpful. And so, yeah, I could be assigned to do that. And assignments are actually what allow us to love more effectively. Right. Uh, or sometimes in our culture right now, people give organize, uh, organized religion a bad name, but being organized and uh, being structured, if it's done correctly, is one of the most loving things you can do for someone. Yeah. I mean, think about when a hurricane hits and the church is ready to serve. It has food and water and volunteers. And that's because there's a structure and organization to it, right? And, and to, uh, tell, like that example about what if we just started a church and we wanted to minister to people? Tell, tell us about that, what you were saying before about that. Well, first I want to say that I actually had a friend who just has a home in, in um, the Caribbean and a hurricane hit. But you have a friend who has a home in the Caribbean? I'm sure you do too. You probably like just haven't asked everybody where all their homes are, okay? <laughs> but you're ruining the story. You're the squirrel. So very when they're for a second, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the squirrel. You wanted, like, you wanted me to introduce them to you. Like now, I'm understanding the motive here. <laughs> just like, oh, I want a house oh, in man. England. I need a, a friend with a home in the Caribbean. Does anyone have a boat? I confess my worldliness and <laughs> repent before the. Uh, you know. <laughs> I. So a hurricane hit the island and he was actually on it and it like messed up a huge part of the island, not where he was at. And he was in contact with people from the humanitarian department of the church and they were going to send like all of these supplies. Mm -hmm. And he just said, no, I'm on ground level right now. What we need is bottled water and corrugated sheet metal. Mm -hmm. That's what they need. And then he said, it was fascinating that within 12 hours, two 747 jets landed full of corrugated sheet metal and bottled water. And I thought to myself, that's actually the beauty of organized, organized religion. religion. And because sometimes I will pay a fast offering and I think to myself, I wish I knew where this was going. I like a one-on-one, -on -one, like I want to give $150 to a neighbor to buy Christmas presents and I'm putting it off into this nameless and faceless fund, you know? And then when I remember him telling me that story and thinking like, I, I can't do that by myself. Right. You can't do that by yourself, but together through an organized like assignment of the, like that can, that can happen. And, and you bring it down to like a neighborhood level. And I, I always, you know, you, you talked about earlier, like, yeah, we minister to our families. I, like when I was kind of in charge of making ministering assignments, one of the ways I kind of like worded it, you know, for our group was number one, we minister to those who live inside our homes. That's 
level number one. Right. Uh, level number two, minister to the people to the right and to the left and across the street from you. Like those are people that you're, watch out for your neighbors who, and that's just logistically speaking, you see them more more often. Number three, I'm gonna give you an assignment so no one gets forgotten. Like I just wanna make sure that everybody is remembered and the only way I can do that to reach that intention, because I have that intention to do that. Like, and I think that actually with appointments too. Remember everyone used to always, this has been a while since anyone's made fun of this, but people used to make fun of like last day of the month kind yeah, of stuff yeah. or whatever. Like I, I got my like visit done last day of the month. And I actually used to love that because I was like, I'm such a distracted spirit that if I like, you know, I say once a month, I want to do this. I do that with the gym. Like I set an appointment and a time. And because if, if I just leave it to like whim, I actually will excuse my way all the way to next year. And so there was something about like, oh, the deadline wasn't insincere. It actually like helped me do something I intended and wanted to do anyways. Yeah, yeah. So there was something about that that was, I don't know, it's good. It's And, and you have to work through it. You got to, you, you know, you just have yeah. to say like, okay, listen, someone might initially think I'm being insincere because I have an assignment. Well, give, give me some time to prove my, you know, sincerity right. there. That happened to me with a family once that I was given an assignment to, and they used to hide behind their couch. <laughs> when I would come, they told me that. They were like, every time you would come up, we would hide, you know? And eventually we had a conversation and it was like, it, we realized like, hey, we're just kind of, that you know, sincerity was motivating everything. And it turned out to be just such a, like they, they became dear friends of mine. And I, I it's so enriching. You just have to kind of get over that initial like, <laughs> Right. Uh, Elder, in connection with that, Elder Gong says this, we may tire physically, but in his service, we do not weary in well-doing. We diligently do our best, do not run faster than we have strength, but trust as the Apostle Paul teaches that God loveth a cheerful giver. And so we're diligent. We keep going. We're not, we're not over the top, but it's that diligence and that consistency that creates sincerity. Mm. So consistency is what creates sincerity. At first, if you just show up at someone's house once or twice, they're going to be suspect. But when you stay with someone consistently over the years, I mean, I think about my, my parents are like fantastic examples of home teaching and ministering. My mom ministered to a woman who was blind and, and elderly. And my mom used to just go and sit there for and just talk with this woman week after week after week. And you can't, I mean, after a while, sincerity shows like, oh, my motives are good. I yeah. really do care about you. Yeah. And I think about my dad ministering to families like for like 20 years in Massachusetts. And those those people are still close, f close friends. And yeah. the sincerity is what, I mean, consistency is what creates sincerity. Yeah. And I actually do think that people ought to minister outside of assignment. Like I think you ought to have- Of course interruptions in your life, you know, that you should go like midway through the day, you should have like a spontaneous, you know, a compassionate detour is what I like to call them. When you watch like the way that, um, bless you, was that a sneeze? <laughs> it was a cough. <laughs> okay. Well, bless you anyways. Um, but that a person ought to live with, you know, with that, I am, you know, watching for where, where can I help? Where can I lift? But then at the same time, why not also have like just a, you know, Hey, we're going to look after this particular person. Let's be deliberate about it. Let's like make plans for it. Let's just love in a, in a really organized 
Yeah. Well, and and I'll be honest with you, like when Elder Gong started to speak about anyone time, anyone, all those feelings kind of flare up and I have to kind of like talk them down so that I can listen and think. And I did realize today, like I was listening to it this morning and I realized, oh, you know what? Part of my like, I do have a sense of, I think my selfishness also like creeps up too, or it's just like, oh, don't take, don't take my time away. And I don't want to, you know, it, yeah. like I, that's yep. also in there also. And I have to wrestle with that. But I think when you, man, you get to the heart and soul of this, it's just, it's beautiful. It's good. These words that he lists about, about Jesus, where he just says, because he's good, he can go about doing good. He blesses the one and the 99. He's ministering personified where he just now gives words like love your neighbor as I have loved you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your, your minister and rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Watch over, nourish people. Remember the poor and the needy. Like, ah, man, I just like, that's the heart and soul yeah. of what it means to be a, a Christian. Like, you know? Yeah. This is one of my favorite parts about our faith tradition and how we try to embody Christianity is that we take really seriously the idea we're going to share life together and we're going to help each other. I mean, from the days of the prophet Joseph, it was radical community. And uh, we, we, we don't have a faith tradition where you go to church and you kind of, it's our, our faith is very horizontal in the sense that the way we often connect with God is by connecting and blessing mm. other people. And I just think of the people who helped raise me like the certain families in my home ward in Massachusetts, right? And um, like those people are inseparably connected to my very identity. It, I, I mean, this is connected also to the idea of the sealing power. We, we don't just seal families, but families that are sealed to families that's, and eventually the whole world will be this, this uh, community centered in, in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that just that whole concept of, Zion, that's what Zion means. Right. It gets the word gets lost because it's I don't know, big and churchy and weird, but like the whole idea and intention of it was that like we were talking earlier, that third Nephi seventeen mm. scene of, of yeah. you know, Jesus like or I've got an appointment with the Father to keep, but then takes that compassionate detour. Right. And he's like, and and then after they have an experience with him, he just says, Will you go out and get other people? You know? Um, actually, I don't even know if he asks them to go out and get it. They just do it. Like, I want other people to like live, have this experience that this group had together. And oh, there's something really cool about, yeah, you know, seeing that happen. I I do this thing on my Instagram every week, Who One Church, where I'm just like, it started with a friend of mine that we would call, we'd see each other every Monday, and I was like, Who One Church yesterday? You know, it's like, what was the best line? Is what it meant. And two people said something that now this conversation has made me think of. One of them was. Um, someone said our, their bishop stood up to announce that they were going to have a baby blessing in the ward. And then the bishop said this, and we're going to do it in front here with everybody as a reminder that we're all raising this baby together mm. as a community. And like you watch like an inner, like a family and close friends gather closest, but then you also had like everybody there together. Like that we, we are going to do this all together. And then this other lady who wrote in and said, um, I think she's the teacher in Relief Society and her, um, 
little boy or girl, I can't remember, has, has Down syndrome and she takes him to class, doesn't do well in going to primary, I guess, or maybe too young. I, I, the context wasn't there. But um, just as she says, I love leaving church with that baby smelling like perfume because he's just been passed around to the other women who held him, you know, while she could share her gifts and they just, and it just that, you know, if we can get over that, you know, whatever the awkwardness, the assignmentness of it. And, and really, like he says, capture that, the true spirit of what it is that we're actually talking about. Like, Oh, I, like I live for, I just live. For, it's life. It's life. It's like Jesus's promise is real where he just says, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm going to show you a way to live life more abundantly. And, uh, and yeah, and, and yeah, it's going to re- he gives that tree analogy right in the mm-hmm. talk where it takes grafting and pulling together and digging about and everything to help it come about. But yeah, minist- beautiful. ministering is, is really training in Christianity 101. Like it seems like so much of what we talk about in church is all designed to practice and go out and be a minister, whether it's our assigned ministering people or our own personal ministering assignments of people we get to know over the years and, feel prompting just to check on and to help and to bless. Yeah. Oh, I'm being dead serious in saying that like three times throughout this talk, I was like, I, I have this neighbor and just, mm-hmm. I got to be better at doing that. I like that little nudge, that little push to experience life, experience the beauty that can come from that. So anyways, it's a good one. All right. We'll see you next week.